I want to invite you to worship with us this morning. I want to encourage you during these challenging times we've had. In 1 Peter 5, verse 6, it says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. You know, we always talk about this, but worship is what you make it. So if you enter in, you'll experience the presence of the Lord and you can cast your cares on him and he will do something special in your heart and life as you worship with us. But if you, if you just sit there and don't involve yourself, then that's what you're going to get. So I want to encourage you, cast your cares on the Lord. All these anxious times we're in now, Lord, we, we want to cast our cares on you. We want to give you the opportunity to speak to us and to change us. We want to give you the opportunity, Lord, to, to do a miraculous thing in our hearts so that we would be able to trust you and we'd be able to walk in peace and joy, be filled with hope, and we wouldn't be overcome by all the fear and anxiety of the world, but we would be overcomers because you have overcome, Lord. And I thank you that you've made all these wonderful promises to us as your children. We ask that you help us to walk in those promises, Lord. And for now, we, we all agree we will worship and exalt you. We will lift up your name and enter into your presence. Come now and have your way, Holy Spirit. Speak to us, touch us, change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.
my knees again. God, I'm begging, please again, please. Oh, I need you. Walking down these desert roads, water for my thirsty soul. I need you. Oh, I need you. Your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on
just want you to know that uh, the line in that song that says, broken I come to you, but I know that your touch restores my life. That's the biggest truth you can learn in this lifetime is to know that we're all broken, first of all, and secondly, that God is the touch that can bring life to us. He's the one that can restore us. He's the one that can change us. He's the one that can make everything okay. But we have to come. He's inviting us to come, but we have to come. He's saying, won't you come? And we're, we're saying, yes, we'll come. We will wait on you. We know that that's the only place that we can receive life. So today, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that he can restore life. Today is the day he can change everything. You can leave all your past behind. You can leave all your brokenness behind and you can be healed and restored and start on a path filled with hope and peace and joy. God wants to give all of us a, a, a life that's filled with abundance. He wants to give us life more abundantly. He wants us to have livers of rivering water flowing out of our innermost being. He doesn't want us to be walking around discouraged and beat up and depressed and, and sick and, and worried about the past and worried about the future and angry about what someone did or didn't do. He wants us to be at peace with Him, first of all, and at peace with everyone else. That'll put us in a place then where we can begin to walk in, in joy and hope because the, the Lord will begin to change the way we see everything. So Lord, we invite you today. We invite you to touch and change us. Stir us and cause us to draw close to you, Lord, that, that during these challenging times that we wouldn't recall in fear, we wouldn't, we wouldn't curl up and just hide out, but, but we would press into you, that we would wait on you like we were just singing, that we'll wait on you. We'd become one with you as we wait on you, that we spend time seeking you, allowing you to speak to us, that we become like you. I thank you, Lord, that you've made a way, a new and a living way that we can come right into your very presence. So let it be now. In Jesus' name, we receive that. Amen and amen. All right, thank you guys. Okay, so the announcements are going to be short and sweet again. We got nothing. Um, actually, we do have some things, but uh, it's going to be a little limited what we do in person. But uh, Bonnie Lippert is working with uh, Juana and uh, the other teachers and the children, and they're going to be doing some live broadcasting on Wednesday nights, doing lessons. Uh, Kids Beach Club is sending out lessons that can be done at home. And then uh, I think Gene and the Women's Bible Study is doing a Zoom call. So there are all kinds of things that are in the works, and we're going to be doing more and more as we go along. We're all being uh, challenged and being forced into the technological age like never before. And right myself, I'm uh, right there at the top of that list because I'm, I'm not too technical. Amen. So I want to encourage you as we, uh, as we get into the Word, uh, each week I want to encourage you to do the things that you should be doing all the time. Just because we're not meeting together as a group, that doesn't mean you can't still be having your time of prayer and your private devotion time, reading the Word, studying the Bible, uh, memorizing, meditating on Scripture, worshiping. You know, put on a put on a, a Eddie Reed CD and get after it. You know, what I mean, there's the, we have the opportunity to worship all the time, 
uh, whether we're together or you're by yourself. And so I want to encourage you to do that. And then there's other things you ought to be doing. You ought to be touching base with each other. Call and text and email. Touch, be connected. Uh, we're supposed to be social distancing, but we don't have to be spiritually distanced. And we don't have to be distanced in, uh, in our relationships. So do that. And then also, uh, I want to just encourage you to be faithful in your giving. You know, we, bills go on even though we're not meeting. And uh, just want to encourage you because that's part of your spiritual discipline. That'll make you healthy and happy and whole. And God will bless you if you'll, if you'll continue to be faithful in that area. But we've been talking about God with us. And I think we're in part 12 or 13 or 19 or something. I don't know. I lose track. But, uh, but we're going to talk about God with us, the glory. And that's a little different than we've been talking about, but, but it, it really fits right in because it's got to do with um, what happened. Last week we talked about the tabernacle, and when, when the Lord came and dwelt in the tabernacle, pretty cool stuff happened. And uh, the same thing happened with the temple, and we're going to talk about both of those uh, briefly. But I want to give you some, some information about the word glory. So in the Webster Dictionary, it says it is brightness and splendor. The Hebrew word is kavod, which literally means weight or heaviness. But it also has the meaning of abounding in honor or abounding in riches, abounding in splendor, abounding in dignity, and abounding in glory. The Greek word in the New Testament is doxa, and it means splendor and brightness, majesty, and glory. So when we talk about the glory of the Lord, most of us don't even know what we're talking about. We just say it because it's in the Bible and we've heard it all of our lives. Oh man, the glory of God was great. You know, we don't know what we're talking about. We just say it because it sounds cool. But the truth is, there is something really special about it that we ought to understand. And so all throughout history, God has revealed himself. And one of the things that he's revealed is that his glory is manifested in certain ways so that we can see it, we can experience it, we can feel it, and it, and it is so strong and so heavy or weighty sometimes that it literally causes us to, to lose the ability to stand and function normally. You know, we've, as Pentecostals, we talk about that falling out in the Spirit. Uh, it happens sometimes. And we're going to read a scripture about it in a minute. So I just want you to think about this whole idea, though, that this is, it is a description of God's presence manifested to us in such a way that it is so incredible and awesome. And the splendor and majesty of it, it's, it just takes your breath away and it makes you realize this is something that is special that I may never see this again. When you really experience the presence of the Lord in a way where the glory of God manifests, it's, it's pretty special. Now, we, we experience the presence of the Lord all the time around here, but, but not, not in the way that it makes you just afraid to speak or afraid to move most of the time. I mean, we, 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 we are accustomed to being in a place of worship where God is, uh, is moving and talking to us and doing things, and we appreciate that. And I don't ever want to take that for granted because that's a, that's a dangerous thing because the presence of the Lord is special. And we ought, to, we ought to realize that. So in Exodus 40, 
verse 34 through 30. I want to read this passage to you. This is, uh, it's about the tabernacle. And we talked about the tabernacle last week. And it says, Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting, because the cloud rested above it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So he couldn't, he couldn't even go in to the tabernacle because the glory of the Lord was so strong and present there. It was just like it was blocking him from even being able to go in. And whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day, and fire was over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. That's pretty cool. God was uh, giving them his physical manifest presence and glory to shield them from the sun and the heat of the desert, to give them warmth in the night from the cool of the desert. And it was just a manifestation of who he was. And they could always see that God is with us. God is with us. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing that the God of the universe said, I want to come down there and dwell with all you knuckleheads, you know, you stiff-necked, rebellious people, and yet I want to come down and I want to be God right there with you. I even want you to build a tabernacle, a place for me to come and live in so I can be right there among you. When you camp at night, I'll be right there with you. It's pretty amazing to think that God wants that kind of a relationship with us. And even more so now, as Christians, because we have Christ in our heart, and we're going to be talking about that in the next few weeks, how, how that all relates to this. So every time God wanted the children of Israel to move, the cloud or the pillar of fire would move, and they'd pack up and go. And then in Leviticus 9, I want to read this to you, verse 23 and 24. Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting, and they came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people, and fire came down from the, from the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Now, I expect we would shout and fall on our face too if uh, fire came down. You know what I mean? We're <clears throat> I say, oh, y'all come on down here. We're going to pray for you. You know, if I'm, <laughs> fire came down, Oh, man, we would all be wanting to do something. We'd be excited. But that's, a, that's what should happen. When God shows up and manifests himself with his glory, we ought to react. Ho hum. You know, just another day of great worship. Ho, ho, ho hum. You know, no big deal. That's, uh, we, we need to appreciate God's presence. When he shows up in his presence here, we ought to get excited. And we ought to worship him. We ought to lift up his name. And every now and then, it'd be okay to lift up our voices a little bit and clap our hands, get excited. So every now and then, God does something really over the top to manifest his glory. In this case, he came down, consumed the, the burnt offering with fire. Then in Numbers 10... I want to read this to you because this is, uh, it's significant because they understood that God was with them. So Moses, uh, he's, he's describing what happened in Numbers 10, 35 through 36. He says that they departed from the mountain of the Lord on a journey of three days. And the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord went before them for the three days journey to search out a resting place for them. The, the Ark of the Covenant went before them. So, I mean, you know, there, there are Levites that are carrying it. 
But that's significant because God was going before them to find the resting place for them. You understand why God wants to dwell among us and, and be our God? It's because he wants to be able to go before us so that we can, can find our resting places. And so that we can find the places where we're supposed to be. And we're not lost and we're not out there just wandering around trying to figure it out. He wants to lead us right into the very good places. So it was, whenever the ark set out, that Moses said, oh, here it is, it says the, the cloud of the Lord was above them day by day when they went out from the camp. So it was, whenever the ark set out, that Moses said, Rise up, O Lord, let your enemies be scattered, and let those who hate you flee before you. And when the, ark, when the cloud rested, he said, Return, O Lord, to the many thousands of Israel. That's pretty cool to think about. You know, that's what Moses was saying about all the people. He said, look, this is the way it is. This is the reality of it. God is doing this, and I'm saying this so you can understand what God is doing. When we get ready to move, God is rising up before us, and he's scattering our enemies. He's going out, and he's driving out everyone in front of us. And then when we come back and we camp, that place of rest, he returns to the many thousands of Israel, and he comes right here, and he's hanging out with us. He's living and dwelling right among us. That's... That's awesome to think about God choosing to do that with people. Now, in 2 Chronicles, after years of uh, having the tabernacle, they finally began to, you know, to want to have a children of Israel. They never caught on. You know, they were stiff-necked. I guess we're kind of that way too, right? You know, we, so God was their king. And everything was hunky-dory until they said, we, we don't want God as our king. We want a king, a king-king, you know. We want a real king, like all the other nations. Isn't that just like, like people nowadays? You know, we want to be like everybody else. And so when we start wanting to be like everybody else, then that's what we get. We get what everybody else has, and it's problems. God wants to, he wants to help us and walk with us so that he can protect us from all those problems. But we're stubborn and bullheaded, and so we just say, we want what we want. And so God will allow us to do that. And so when they asked for a king, he said, okay, fine. I'll let them have a king. So they went through the kings, and that was pretty disappointing. And then, but David, though, I mean, David was a king after God's heart. David was a special king. And I was reading this last night, and, and actually, when, when God said Saul is going to be king, he said, he's going to be the commander over my people. But when he was talking about David, he said, David is going to be king over my people. Because David was a man after God's own heart. And so they, um, you know, they started trying to figure out how to, how to build up the city, and they were going to build a temple. David wanted to build a temple, a permanent dwelling place for God. Because he was saying, you know, I built a nice house for myself, and here you're living in a tent out in the back. You know, how about we build you a nice place too, God? And God said, well, that's fine, but not you, because you've got, you, you got blood on your hands. You're a man of war, but let's let your son do it. And so Solomon began to make the preparations. And then when it came time, they had this big celebration, and, uh, and God shows up again. And I want to read this to you. Second Chronicles 5, 11 came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place. For all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. 
So that, you know, what that means is the priests were supposed to serve in a certain order. They had groups and divisions and they came for a week at a time or a month at a time and each one would serve in his, in his daily routine according to those divisions. But they just all came at once. So here they are, they're all there in the, in the most holy place. <clears throat> and it says that the Levites who were the singers and all those of Asaph and Heman and Judethan and their sons and their brethren stood at the east end of the altar clothed in white linen. So they're all dressed in their Sunday best and uh, they're hanging out. They got their cymbals, their stringed instruments, their harps, and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were as one, they were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments and music, and they praised the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. That's what happens when God shows up. His glory begins to just fill the place, and things begin to happen to each one of the people that's in that place. You can't just go on about your business like everything is business as usual when you're in the presence of God. I mean, you've got to be one hard-hearted person to just sit there like a stump when you're in the presence of God. Because it, it will change you. It will make you come alive and change you in ways that you can't imagine if you've never experienced it before. And I believe that's what happens here. When people start coming to the door, they begin to recognize, you know, the Lord's here. People say that all the time. They say, man, I felt the presence of the Lord when I came in. And, uh, and I believe it's because we've already been worshiping. We've already been praying. We've already been waiting on the Lord. We've been inviting Him to come. We're doing the things that, that we can do to prepare a place for him to come and dwell in. That's what he's always looked for, right? A place to dwell, a God among us. That's what he wants. In Isaiah 60, verse 1 and 2, it says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And in verse 19, The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you, but the Lord will be an everlasting light to you, and your God your glory. That's what God wants. He wants to be it in our lives. He wants to be everything in our lives. He doesn't want to just be a part he doesn't want to just be something on Sunday morning for an hour and a half. He wants to be all of it. He wants us to give everything to him so that he can be God in our lives. And if we'll allow him to do that, he won't disappoint you. I promise you can't be disappointed when you give yourself fully to the Lord. It's when you hold back that you're disappointed. When you hold back and then you say, well, I tried that religion thing and it didn't work for me. Well, you didn't try it because you were just trying it. You need to give yourself fully to it when you do that. And you don't just pray one little prayer and let's see what happens. You know? How about you invest yourself in it? How about you really pursue God with all your heart? I said something to Eddie one day about uh, I wanted to play the guitar once when I was young. And, and I, I guess I just you know, decided it wasn't for me. And he said, well, I have a theory about that. 
He said, people want to play the guitar, play the guitar. I was like, huh. I think he just talked down to me. Uh, <laughs> but it really made sense, though, because if that, was, if that was really my passion, I wouldn't have given up so easily. And that's what happens to us about the Lord. People that come, they come to the altar, and they're all emotional, and they cry a little bit, and then they go about their business. That's not, that's not giving yourself to the Lord. That's just repenting of your sins and, and wanting some forgiveness. But when you, when you determine that I'm going to make this my life, I'm going to pursue God. I'm not going to accept anything less than his very best. That's when God will show up and begin to change and things will be different. And you won't want to go back. You won't want any part of the old way because you'll be changed and different. Hebrews uh, chapter 1 verse 1. God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory in the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So he is the very express image of God. Jesus, the brightness of God. God's glory. That's what this is all about. You know, this whole thing about God with us. Emmanuel, God with us, right? Jesus is the very manifest expression of who God is. And so when he came, that was God's crowning glory of everything out of all of creation, all of history to that point. That was it. Jesus coming and and giving himself, humbling himself, and saying, I'm going to live as a man, and I'm going to show men who God is. And they'll be able to see what God looks like. They'll be able to see how God thinks, how God acts, how God talks. That's what Jesus did. He was, he was God in person for us. He was the very reflection, the express image of who God is. Now, in Colossians 1, Verse 26 and 7. The mystery which has been hidden from the ages and from generations, but has now been revealed to his saints, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the yeah. hope of glory. You talk about glory. That's what glory is all about as a Christian. Christ in us, the very express image and person of who God is, lives and dwells within us now. The hope of glory. If you've got any hope of glory in your life, it's in Jesus. If you've got any hope of glory in the future, it's in Jesus. If you've got any hope of being redeemed from your past, it's in Jesus. Because He is the hope of glory. And He can be in you. That's a pretty great promise. He wants to be in you. Amen. He wants to be in you. I tell my wife sometimes, I don't know why God would want to be in me. I don't even want to be in me sometimes, but... But he wants to be in us. That's the, that's the hardest thing to understand. Why, why the creator, he could do anything he wants. Why would he want to dwell in a broken, flawed vessel like you and me? And yet that's what he wants to do. It's because of his great love. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Eddie, y'all can come on back. We're, we're not going to preach too long today. Um, I'm going to wrap up by sharing one, one or two more little ideas here. And... Um, 
In, in the next few weeks, we're going to be talking more about, about this notion of Christ in us and what that means and how God's glory is revealed in us through him. Now, I talk about this a lot, but um, I just want to remind you that when Moses was, was doing all the things he was doing with the children of Israel and he was getting, he was getting work pretty good, you know, they rebelled and, and uh, they broke the covenant after they just agreed to, to keep it. And he was praying and he talked to the Lord and, and he prays this, this real simple but very passionate prayer. He says, please, show me your glory. And that's, that's such a, an incredible prayer. And we ought to be praying that too. And the Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So when Moses said, show me your glory... God says, I'm going to cause all of my goodness to pass before you. Oh, and by the way, remember when we talked about the, the definition of glory? Abounding. How about this? When Moses says, show me your glory, God says, I'm going to cause all of my goodness to abound before you. I'm going to cause all of my goodness to abound before you. That's pretty amazing. The abounding goodness of God is what he showed him as his glory. And then it says, the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. That's who God is. And he wants to dwell among us. That's the greatest promise that you can have in this life is to know that God wants to dwell right here, live right here among us. God with us. So, Lord, we invite you. We invite you to come. Dwell among us, Lord, and reveal yourself to us. Show us your glory, Lord. We want to know who you are. We want to see you as you are so that we'll be changed in your presence to be like you, Lord. And, Lord, for those who may not know you, maybe they've never, they've never experienced that. Today can be the day for them, Lord, if they would just invite you to come into their hearts. And so wherever you are in that walk with the Lord today, if you're walking with him, then invite him to show you his glory. If you don't know him, then invite him to come in and reveal himself to you. Ask him to forgive you and cleanse you and come and live in your heart. That's what God wants to do. He wants to live with us, be with us, be our God so that we can be his people. Lord, I thank you for your word, the truth of your word. Show us who you are, Lord. Reveal your glory to us. In Jesus' name, amen.
That's what God is doing. But in these times where we're going through all this anxiety and, and things are going on, there's uncertainty. God is holding on to us. He's not going to let us go. He's not going to fail us. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. He said, I will be with you always, even to the very end. And so, Lord, thank you that you hold on to us. And when we try to hold on to you, maybe we lose our grip sometimes. And yet we know you're always holding on to us. And no one can rip you out of your hand, Lord, because you are always holding on. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, is that it? Okay, so, may the Lord...